You know, and, and I'm just going to get this out of the way a little bit. You know, our country is in turmoil. If you read or listen to the news, especially over Roe v. Wade and some of these things, and uh, there are a lot of people, a lot of women, I will say, who have bought into a certain way of thinking about womanhood and, and motherhood. And it's heartbreaking for me to hear um, some of the things that I hear. There are a lot of people today regarding the issue of abortion and, and Roe v. Wade and all of that who will continually espouse things like, you know, the law has no right to dictate to me what I do with my body, with my life. Though, and I think I've said this before, that is what laws do. You understand, a law is something that limits your personal liberties or freedoms for the good of others, for the protection of our society and of the citizenry. That is, I could not think, I'm sure there are some laws that don't do that, but pretty much every law does that. It says, you know, you have freedoms within these bounds, but you can't go outside of that, otherwise you're hurting others. So it's a foolish argument. It doesn't work to say that laws cannot li uh, limit liberties, especially when it comes to the life of the unborn. But today, it's not about politics. It's about celebrating the goodness and the wisdom and the kindness and the grace of God that we find in the creation of woman. And this story opens up to us. We'll begin in Genesis chapter 2. We'll go a little bit to the left and a little bit to the right, not politically, but to in your Bibles. From this passage as we consider the story of Eve. Let's read Genesis 2 verses 18 through 25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground the Lord formed every animal of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the sky and to every animal of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept and he that is God took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place and the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man and then the man said at last this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, but they were not ashamed. Eve, the woman. Eve, the woman. Again, I think our society has plummeted or descended into widespread confusion and deception, a lack of clarity about this fundamental aspect of personhood, namely Manhood and womanhood, you know, it's, I'm sure, been viral. I don't, I don't read that much in the news. I listen to bits and pieces. Otherwise, I get plummeted into depression. And uh, I listen to these things. And, and here recently with a uh, uh, Supreme Court nominee, right, the question was, what is a woman? Well, they were not qualified to answer that question. And that's scary. That's scary. Hey, you can be three years old and be able to answer that question. But there is a lot of confusion. There's deception. There are various views about these things. I just want to say it's really not that complicated, but we're going to walk through some of this together. Back in Genesis 1, verses 26 through 27, and we're getting at thinking about Eve the woman. What is a woman? 
as compared to a man. We see back in 126 and 7 that God purposefully, uniquely, distinctly created male and female. That's it. God created humanity or mankind. That's the big heading, right? It's our species. And it says, and he created them male and female. And it says something fascinating that both male and female are image bearers. God created both to uniquely, distinctively, purposefully bear forth or shine forth something or some things about God. Namely, man and woman, both separately and yet together would shine forth something or some things about God. Did you know the one true God that we say is triune? He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is one. There is equality among Father, Son, and Spirit, and yet there is distinctiveness, distinction of purposes among the Godhead. God created also then two distinct genders or sexes, Male and female, and both would be image bearers in their own unique way. So that's Genesis chapter 1. It's just kind of given in the flow of the entire creation. And then in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible opens up that story or zooms in a little more. We get greater detail that was passed over in Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis 2, the passage we read, opens up that story about these image bearers. And here is Adam. Here is the man. That God has created, and he's been put in the garden, and, and, and all of these animals were there. And then God says something. It's not good for him to be alone or by himself. He wasn't by himself technically, right? There's lots of animals, but it's not good for him to be alone is what he says. And, and then God says, I will create a special or a suitable helper for him. And so in the meantime, God says, you know, Adam, you need a helper. You need a helper. And so God parades all of these different animals that, like Adam, have been fa uh, formed from the dust, from the stuff that God has made. And he parades them and says, I want you to call them by name. Whatever you call them, that's their name. And he brings all of this multitude and variety of these animals before Adam. And Adam names them. But it says, in those animals, there was not a suitable helpmeet or helper found for Adam. That's the story. So God says, but I'm still going to fulfill that promise. And I want you to see, Adam, that animals are not what you need as a suitable helper. Let's deal with the word helper or help me for just a minute because that bothers some people. Where it says God is going to, and, and this is going to be the woman, right? Uh, uh, Adam's helper. Now, some of you ladies are like, I ain't his helper. Right? Right? We don't like that word. So I looked it up. And um, the Dictionary of Biblical Languages with Semantic Domains, that means it, it, this is the fancy uh, uh, dictionary of Bible words, specifically Hebrew. And if you look up that word helper, the word is azar or ezer, E-Z-E-R. Now we're trying to get at what is this seemingly condescending term of helpmeet or helper. And in the Dictionary of Biblical Languages, there are several possible translations for the word azar. Or easier. And here are a couple right at the top. Number one is assistant. And you're like, I don't like that much better. All right, assistant. And then it goes on to say, one who supplies what another is needing or lacking in. Okay. So there are some things that Adam doesn't have. 
He can't do. Or it's not good that he tries to do it alone. And so I'm going to make this helper, this help me, this assistant, who is going to come in and be able to complement your weaknesses. All right, what you need and what you lack. Here's a great one. Another entry in that dictionary is strength or power to accomplish a task. I'm going to make for you a helper who has the strength and special capabilities to help you in the work, Adam, and the commission that I've given you to fill the earth and to subdue it. And so I don't think we have to be too bent out of shape about that word helper or helpmeet when we see that God is going to create this woman that has a balancing set of strengths that will complement and fill in the void and supply what Adam needs in the world. And so woman was created. This woman was created out of his side by God. And it's interesting to even compare the language between Adam's creation and the creation of the woman. Different language. God formed the man. But he fashioned the woman. Almost as to, if to say, you know, there's a little bit of rough, crude forming, you know, over here. But, but, but this one that I'm making, this woman, there will be a delicateness and a precision to what I'm doing here. Now again, that's reading maybe a little bit into it. But I think it's there. It's different language. Man formed from the dust. Same as the animals. But Eve fashioned as God did this surgery to take out the rib of the man and to fashion the woman who would walk beside him. So similarities and yet differences. And Adam has seen all of this multitude of animals parading by. And he wakes up from the anesthesia that God has given him. And what does he say? At last, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I relate to this. I didn't relate to the zebra and the ostrich. I relate to this. This, this God seems right and good. And what does he do? He gives a name to the woman. He calls her woman, for she was taken out of man. Not subservient. That is not what's in view here. Is ah, my kin. And what does he say? says, she is woman. Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. There is an attraction there between the man towards the woman. Now, she's not actually called Eve at this point in the story. What's she called? Woman. That's what she's called. Now, I knew a, an older gentleman who used to refer to his wife in that way. Woman! And I know we don't like that, but that's the name right now. Her name is Woman. Or as you know, the corny preacher joke is, and I've heard it a lot of times, whoa, man, that's what he says when he sees her. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's for me. Here is the woman. Now, secondly, Eve was not just a woman, but she was to be a wife to Adam. Verse 24, Adam's desire and God's desire here. And it's, it's, it's footnoted. It's given right here. Now don't miss this. It's not just any woman. This is to be Adam's wife. There is going to be this forging of a lasting partnership, relationship, union, kinship between Adam and Eve. And they're going to walk together in this life. They're going to work together to fulfill the commission that God has given them. 
to fill the earth and subdue it. And notice it, t- it says that every other kinship relationship now is to come under this one of husband and of wife. For this reason, that is the joining, the union, union of man and wife, the parental relationship is to come under that. All right, There's going to be this leaving and this cleaving. This is going to be the primary kinship relationship moving forward. And I think it's given here because Adam and Eve, really, I guess you would say God is their parent, right? But for those who would come, there is to be a leaving of the familial household, the parents, and now to make a brand new kinship and bond and household. And it says they were naked and they were unashamed. They were to enjoy the physical union without shame, without confusion, without selfishness, without guilt given by God, without the brokenness that will eventually come into the relationship. So Eve was not just any old woman. She was woman and she was wife. Now let's skip ahead to uh, Genesis 3. I want to look at verses 20 and through uh, 20 and 21. Now the man named his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Now you'll know I've skipped ahead and I'll come back to an important part of this story. But we see here that the woman becomes Eve. And she's named Eve because she is mother, mother of all the living. The first woman, God fashioned. She bears children. And she becomes Eve. Do you know why her name is Eve? Do you know what Eve means? It means living. It means life. Kaya in Hebrew. It means life. She's a life giver. God designed this woman with this miraculous, amazing power to conceive within the womb and nurture for nine months a human life and to be fruitful and to multiply. Let me just say this. The Bible is pro-life, pro-conception, pro-children. God, it is his design right here The first woman, Eve, her very name means life. And we need to hear that today. And she became the mother of several sons and daughters. And the mother, the great-grandmother, the great-great-great-great-grandmother, she became a progenitor of all human life. Parenthood, motherhood, fatherhood. Within the bonds of marriage is this primordial plan, it hasn't changed. A lot of things have changed in this old world over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, but I'll tell you, this has not changed. Sure as the sun comes up and it sets, this has not changed. It's pretty basic. It's pretty straightforward. A man and a woman forging a union in marriage. Should God grant children to bear children, still part of God's plan. Now, we have to say marriage may not be for every single person, every single human, because there is the gift of singleness. The Bible teaches that. There are also marriages to which 
God does not grant children. And we accept that that happens in cases. But it is God's good and pervasive plan for marriage and for childbearing. Eve was not just a woman. She was a wife. She was mother. And finally, I said she is model. Eve is a model. What is she a model of? Well, one bad thing and one good thing. She was a model of trying to cover her own sin. But eventually she becomes a model of putting on the covering of God's grace. The first part of Genesis chapter 3, so we, we went on either side of the story of the fall, right? And you'll know that story. That Eve by the serpent and then Adam seduced by Eve actually is the way it reads to me. But the fact is both were seduced into disobeying God that is called sin. They transgressed the rules, the laws that God had given for life in the garden. And what happens? We know that they ate of this fruit that God says you shall not eat of that tree and they do it. And what happens immediately? It says their eyes are opened and they're aware that they are naked. They've been naked for no telling how long. All of, something has changed. This eyes opening. There is a self-consciousness now of something. And I think it's their conscience showing them that they are sinful. Now something has ruptured in the world. And in their minds and in their hearts. And they believe they must hide themselves. They're not safe to be seen completely in all of their nakedness. They become aware, I think, of personal shame. There is shame that invades their lives. And what do they do? It doesn't say she did the sewing. It said they. They took fig leaves and they put them together and they made loincloths out of them. So here they are modeling fig leaf loincloths. But they're not out parading up on the stage. What are they doing? They, they cover themselves because they feel this intense personal shame and nakedness. And they need to hide. They want to hide. So they, they think, man, those loincloths, that's not enough. And they go and they hide in the trees. That's what it says. I don't know about climbing the trees or just out in the forest, but they're hiding. Who are they hiding from? One another. But mainly they're hiding from God. And God comes to Adam and he says, Adam, where are you? What's the problem? He said, I'm naked. Who told you you were naked? So, so, so he puts his finger onto that shame and he says, have you eaten from the tree of which I said you shall not eat? Yes, I did, but it's her fault, right? So put it on someone else. There is this sense of, yes, I've sinned. I'm being called on the carpet, but let me see if I can put it on somebody else. The woman that you gave me, God, you know, she seduced me. She is the one that caused this. So God goes down the line. Eve, what about it? I was deceived by the serpent. The, in the, the, uh, what's underneath that is, you know, this thing that you made, God, seduced me. And so it's just a passing of the buck trying to sweep under the rug our sin or their sin. It was the serpent's fault. And God does go to the serpent who is Satan. He is the deceiver. And he curses him. But what I want you to see is that Adam and Eve model what every human being has done since. They sin and fall short of the glory of God. 
They run and hide from God. They do something, we do something to try to hide or cover over or make it okay, but it does not soothe the conscience. We are still ashamed because we know things are wrong between us and our Creator. They knew their lives were not their own. And they, they didn't. Even in, in, in having this womb and being able to bear children, they knew that they didn't make themselves, that they were accountable to their creator. But they're hiding and they're trying to do something. They're modeling works. They're modeling trying to sear the conscience and soothe the conscience by changing the rules of the game, by blaming someone else. They did what we have all done. They modeled for us what we do, but what we should not do because it does not work to bring us peace. And the entire creation has been subjected to futility in this same old story. And then they become models of something else. Submitting to God and His grace. It says that God took and made garments of skin for them. Not fig leaves, but there was a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. An animal, an innocent animal, would give its life to cover over, to give a covering, an atonement for their sins. I would say this is the gospel before the gospel. This is foreshadowing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God says, you can't fix this, but I can do something about it. And God in his grace and mercy, folks, this is the gospel. Listen to me clearly. Because as many things have changed, our, our um, fig leaf loincloths have gotten a lot more fancy. They cost more money. They have designer tags. But we're doing the same thing. We have the same problem that they had. And we have to receive the same cure. We have to receive God's grace and mercy in the covering, if you will, the atonement that only God can provide. So here go Adam and Eve, and they are kicked out of the garden. But they receive this temporary covering, these clothing that are given by God. And I just want to finish up the message today and say this. Jesus is the fulfillment of that picture. That the seed of the woman, that is an ancestor of Adam and Eve would come and he would be the sacrifice that would cover over our sins that, that he would placate or atone for or make things right with God he would ease God's wrath he would pay the penalty for our sins Jesus has done that for us that's what the cross is all about now listen have you put on the blood of Jesus. Have you come to the cross of Jesus Christ finally saying, hey, yep, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong. I have fallen short. I have failed. And I've tried to cover it up. But God, only you can fix this. Have you come to Jesus Christ by faith? That is the only way to have your conscience made right, to have shame removed, to be totally restored in your walk and relationship with God. Eve modeled for us what doesn't work and what does work. Receiving the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say this to every woman, every wife, every mother that's here today. You are no accident. 
You are beautifully made. Specifically, uniquely designed by God. You have a God-given strength, purpose, and duty. And I will say, you know, I was just, I get to spend the weekend with my own mother. And in her life, and, and, and I would say, I'm, I am sure this is true of all of you, a mother uniquely shines forth the glory of God through sacrificial love and giving that just seems to absolutely know no end. Mothers are a wonderful thing. Women, again, you're created specially by God. But let me also say this, we all fall short. And I'll tell you, I know because mothers care and love, so many times they beat themselves up over past mistakes. We look just like Eve would down at her children and something horrific happens in the next chapter. One brother slays another. And I can only feel maybe a little bit of what Eve probably felt. It's my fault. And I know that you bear a lot of weight as mothers. Hey, there is hope. There's forgiveness. There is grace. For all past sins. It's not something we do for ourselves. It's something God wants to do for you. I believe this. God wants you to walk out of here. Resting in the peace and forgiveness and hope of eternal life. No matter what your past has held. No matter what. Rest in that. Mothers, receive that. Every person here needs to receive that today. Stop hiding. Stop running. Come to your loving Father. He is good. He loves you. He's provided a way for you to have hope, peace, forgiveness, and eternal life. Give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess your sins. Claim Him as Lord. And the New Testament picture is in coming to Jesus with our hands open, saying, guilty. I own it, but I want to be forgiven. I want to have that forgiveness and new life. God, I want to be restored with you. The New Testament pictures that as putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on today. Would you bow with me? Just a brief moment of invitation. just have a moment of silent prayer where we bring to God our concerns our failures maybe it's shame maybe it's guilt of something that has gone horribly wrong in your life something that you just say yes I did that and I should not have done that would you bring that to God in this moment and ask him to take it from you and to cover you with his love and grace.